It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this special edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on this Wednesday afternoon. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter, a later start time. 11.45 a.m., Head co- or general manager, I should say, Joe Shane, went live uh, with his press conference. I figured I would give about an hour and 15 minutes to get everything we needed done to start the show at 1. Well, apparently we needed an hour and a half. So here we are at 1.13. <laughs> And we're going to get going. We had some breakaway sessions from Giants co-owner, vice president, uh, not vice president, president and CEO, uh, John Mara, as well as uh, Joe Shane, who spoke to the beat writer separately off the podium as well. So we could talk about all that. Gentlemen, happy Wednesday. Uh, Paul, we were here live. Lance is on location. Paul, let's start with this. What were your main takeaways from the press conference? Well, I think it's very obvious when you listen to Joe Shane, you're, you're talking about a guy who is very organized. He's very businesslike. He's very respectful. He's definitely a people person. I don't think there's any question about it. Despite the fact that, you know, he has all his ducks in order and he knows from a football perspective what he wants – he also cares about people, and and that's clear from the time that he talked about the people in Buffalo, uh, the front office folks, the past people who he's known over the course of his career who have influenced him. He is a people person first. I think that that struck me as as something that you know I was kind of looking to see what's what's his deal there. So he's got communication skills, and he's all about relationships. Lance. Well, I think he understands how challenging this job is for him. I mean, that was my biggest takeaway. I don't think he beat around it. He said that the salary cap situation is going to take some time. They're going to have to build through the draft. Free agency, he worded as a complimentary piece. And those are some things that we've echoed on this show. So, I mean, I think he understands the task at hand. He understands it's not rainbows and lollipops that he's walking into. But he's certainly excited about this challenge and turning things around and I think also he put his support as well as John Mara, and I know we'll get into what he said, that it looks as if, as it stands right now, they believe improving the components around Daniel Jones will still allow Daniel Jones to thrive. So, I mean, that to me was the main takeaway, that there's still something to salvage with Daniel Jones and the fact that it is going to be quite the challenge to try to build this roster up to get to the point where they can compete for consistent years, not just necessarily flashes here or there. Yeah, look, I think there was a lot of standard fare here, guys. A lot of the stuff that, you know, generic stuff you hear in most of these press conferences. Sure. Coaching GM in lockstep, good communication, right culture, get the right people in the right places. All that stuff you're going to hear from no matter who steps at that podium and says that stuff. Now, you have to say it because all that stuff is obviously important and essential, but that's stuff that, you know, I don't think really tells us a lot because everybody, when you get a job, you know, wants those things. As we, it's frankly, it sounded like he listened to Big Blue Kickoff Live a lot the last few days because he's echoed a lot of the stuff we've said here where you basically, you know, maybe you can add one or two guys to your scouting staff, but you basically have to use the scouting staff that's in place. Uh, he's going to basically, um, evaluate how everybody in that front office works over the next few months. And then, you know, you can make decisions down the road. He wants to give everyone a fair chance. 
Uh, I think that's important. Lance, you made the point about Daniel Jones, and we've made this point here. John Mara's quote was, we've done everything we can to screw this kid up over the last three years with changing coaches, offensive coordinators, offensive line coaches, uh, the talent around him. So, you know, they'll give him another chance. It looks like to prove it this year. But it was important, and Joe Shane mentioned this, he's going to do that in conjunction with the head coach. The head coach will have a huge impact into that decision. But it seems like that's where they're leaning right now in terms of what they've said, which makes sense, given the other options that are out there, which if you talked about in the show is not a lot. The other stuff of substance, Lance, I think you hit it. Uh, he said the salary cap, and I'm going to see if I can find the exact quote. It is difficult and it is real, I believe was the one that, that he said, um, which I thought was important. Uh, he talked about the head coaching search. I want to bring in somebody that has leadership. That was the first thing on his list. But then also a good coaching staff. And he wants a coaching staff that has NFL experience, guys that can develop players. He thought was very important. We'll use you know, people that are experts in their fields as tools, strength and conditioning, analytics, stuff like that. And then the, you know, the thing that, that kind of hit me the most, Lance, and, and you mentioned it briefly in your last statement, he says you want to – and this is what he said with his one-on-one uh, -on -one with Sean O'Hara too, which you can find on the Giants Huddle podcast. You want to build your team through the draft and then retain your own players because those are the guys you know the most about and you've developed them, and that's how you build your team. And then I think he even said in one of the interviews where, you know, free agency is great. You probably don't want to be at the top of the market, but you want to add guys to help your team that way. And, well, where have the Giants been in free agency a lot the last few years? They've been near the top of the market, right? So uh, I think for me, those are the major things of substance that I heard. Paul, anything else specific or Lance that jumps out to you guys that you thought is, is very pertinent to the team itself? Well, let's make it clear. There were other things that he said away from the podium and also John Mara said away from the podium, which I thought the fans will be most interested yeah, in because that has to do with the roster itself. Um, it was made very clear by Joe away from the podium. He said he's very excited about uh, Saquon Barkley. He's a very rare talent, and he believes that upgrading the offensive line to help Jones and Barkley is the way to go. He made that very clear. He also said that he'll be going to the Senior Bowl, then the following week sit down with his uh, scouts and start going through tape and film. And by the way, they'll watch tape and film with those scouts for two weeks. Yes. So everyone will get on the same page. That's he himself said he spent uh, time up in Buffalo going through the first four rounds of their own draft board. So he already has a mega head start on the draft because he was doing a lot of traveling and scouting himself. So he thought that his free agency stuff was a little bit behind, but his terms of the college scouting, he said, I've already got the first four rounds, you know, already uh, from my time in Buffalo because he was he was in the in the trenches in dealing with their draft prep. Um, he also said, I thought this was very interesting. He said about the offensive line, how to fix it. Well, you get better players, but he goes, you got to get an offensive line coach who is proven to develop players. Right, but his big, his big thing was get better players. No question. So that was the first thing. No question. And then he also said as far as Daniel Jones, he has until May to decide whether to pick up the fifth-year option, and he said he will discuss things here with the Giants people to figure out exactly how they want to go. And, and with the head coach. Yes, Yes, the head coach, obviously, right. mm -hmm. too. And that um, the other item he mentioned is that he will be getting with Kevin Abrams to talk about the salary cap and how to try to navigate that over the course of the next week or so. So that gives you a bit of an idea of, of where he's going. He was clear about not, and I mean not, 
going through a major upheaval here. He said, I, I, this, this is a good organization. They got a lot of good people here, and I want to give everybody here a chance to see how they fit into my process. He says, we got to install a process. Everybody needs to know what their jobs are going to be. But he said, I'm a fair guy. I, I was in those seats. I know what it's like when a GM gets changed. And I want to give everybody a chance to, to prove themselves. But he says he does have the authority to make any changes that he wants if to make. If he wants though. to. Correct. Lance, anything else from you before well, I mean, we start seems, taking calls here? Yeah, as if he's going to take the time to get to know the individuals. Because, I mean, one of the things that he had mentioned, and it's a paraphrase, is he's not going to make changes for the sake of making changes. That There's got to be some substance and rationale behind that. So I think that's why he wants to take his time, get to know the people in the front office. Same thing with the roster, because if you recall, during the presser, he mentioned, and we even talked about this on this show, when he and Brandon Bean came to Buffalo, they came in after the draft in May, because Sean McDermott was hired as the head coach, and then he started to retool the front office so this is different for him because he's now coming in in January he has to make the decisions for the upcoming draft and he can tweak the roster before training camp starts he was talking about how they got to Buffalo in May they already had a 90-man roster so year one it was let me get to know the ins and outs of the roster and then they didn't really start to make major changes until the following offseason here he has the opportunity to get ahead of the curve compared to where he was in Buffalo and as Paul mentioned he feels comfortable about the draft scouting aspect a little bit behind free agency but once again if you go back to what he said how it's not an easy salary cap situation most of the heavy lifting is going to be done through the draft versus free agency anyway yep. so I think that puts him in a better position at least to tackle the Giants issues because you're going to have to do it more through the draft than free agency so I don't think that puts him in a precarious spot and with respect to evaluating the roster he mentioned that once the coaching staff comes in, he wants to sit down with the coaching staff, hammer out the film, let them go back, review what they saw to the personnel in 2021, and that will also determine what moves they may make to free up cap space and also whether it be Daniel Jones's fifth-year option or perhaps cutting players to free up some cap space. But he did emphasize that he wants to know the new coaching staff's perspective as much as people that are currently in the building and he himself. Yeah, we should also add, as far as the coaches are concerned, John Mara himself did confirm that Brian Flores uh, will be coming in for an interview on Thursday. And Joe Shane confirmed that Leslie Frazier will be getting a second interview on Friday. Now, it was also indicated from talking to uh, John and Joe that uh, that is the list as it stands now. There is a possibility if they do not reach a consensus, which according to I believe it was I believe it was John who said it could come as early as Saturday morning. Joe said that. Joe said that. Joe said that. Yep. Joe said it could be as early as Saturday morning. If they don't reach a consensus, they have already discussed a couple of other names that they might reach out to. So Correct. that's that's you're not going to get it any straighter than that. You can you can read all the smoke and mirrors you want on the outside. They're telling you straight out. They came right out and gave you a straight answer. Yeah, Joe was asked about having a coach at the Senior Bowl. He did not commit to that, but it sure sounds like they'd like to have a coach at them at the Senior Bowl. To I think they would all guys. love to have that consensus Saturday morning. Yes. Which, really, that's kind of what he was saying. They'd and, like to, but yeah, they, they don't know. Probably no press conference that until they get back from the Senior Bowl, probably next Friday at the earliest. Again, if that decision happens uh, over the weekend. And remember, that is collaborative, too. I was it about, is collaborative. Well, I was about to say that. John Mara made this point, and Joe Shane made this point as well, that 
Joe Shane is the point man in all these head coach interviews. He's the one leading the interviews, asking questions. John Mara has chimed in, asked some questions, as had the other people in, you know, in these meetings. But Joe Shane is leading the process, and then you will have a collaborative discussion between the ownership and the GM about who the head coach is going to be. I think John Mara said this. We're not going to hire some. Obviously, Joe's not going to hire somebody we don't like. We're not going to make Joe hire somebody he doesn't like, obviously. Mm-hmm. So they'll find a candidate that everybody's happy with. And by the way, I know I think some people seem to make a big deal about this. Every single ownership group in the NFL approves head coach hires. This is how it works around the league. It's a big deal. It's the spokesman for your whole organization. And by the way, it's also a major financial commitment. It's the spokesman for your whole organization, and every ownership group around the league is going to have that approval process. No owner says, oh, you go hire the head coach. I'm not going to have any input right. on this. That's not how it works with any organization around the league. Well, it's an extremely influential position because yeah. it impacts the product on your field. If you own anything, why would you not think that you should have a right to say who's going to be the head coach of your team? or whatever it may be in terms of the business or the industry. So no, I don't crazy. think yeah, that's a surprise at all. With respect to Flores, by the way, John Mara also mentioned that when they do interview him, they do want to bring up what led to his departure from Miami with Chris Greer, the general manager, that that will be a talking point. That was at least one of the things he emphasized because that was been a question about Brian Flores in the wake of him going his separate ways from the Dolphins. And then the other thing that I was going to add is in terms of the timeline for a press conference or whatever it may be, if memory serves me correctly, Joe Judge went to the Senior Bowl first before he was formally introduced, guys, as the head coach. So I don't think that that would be anything. So did did Shermer. Yeah, so So I mean, that's been similar timelines where it wouldn't be surprising if they do decide on a coach by early, mid-next week, go to the Senior Bowl, maybe conduct some interviews as you try to put your staff together, and then the following week perhaps come back and have your formal introduction. That's been done before. One final thought, guys, the timetable. And I'm sure that every fan out there wants to know the timetable for the Giants to turn this thing around. And Joe, uh, Joe himself said it's all about progress, need to see this team doing better. He was not promising he's going to get the Giants back to the playoffs by X date. Nor did John give him a mandate on it. Correct. John Mara said the same thing. I didn't tell him he needs to make the playoffs this year. John's words were, I believe, we need to do a hell of a lot better than four wins this year. I believe that's that's the way he phrased it. Uh, Joe Shane did, though, say one thing philosophically, and I thought this was very, and I quoted him on my, my notes here, we can compete today and still build for tomorrow. So he is not, he is not, and he said he was not looking for a total ripdown. Uh, this is a guy who wants to be able to do it while the wheels are turning. Uh, Which is a fine needle to thread. We talked about that it's, before. It's hard to do. I've, I've always believed that this team was in a position to try to do that. It hasn't worked out well to this point. But that's his philosophy right now. I appreciate it. It's hard. It's a challenge. It can be done. It's rough. It's tough. You, you better be, be laser-focused to make it happen. Uh, and, and as part of that, I think when he mentioned he's going to have to make some very tough salary cap decisions, and I think, that's going to be part of it. Paul, you hit it. I think that's the interesting balance we have to see what they strike here, right? Because those are going to be probably, aside from the draft picks, the biggest decisions that Joe Shane makes you know, in the next two months or so is going to be how he handles the salary cap situation. Because the Giants aren't just like, they're over the cap. So they have to get under the cap first before they can even add anybody. So how do they go about that? Are they willing to trade away a veteran to clear up cap space? Are they willing to cut a veteran to clear up cap space? How do they go about that cap shorning process here in order to get in a good position 
frankly, just in a legal position where you can operate as a team and sign your draft picks. So that, to me, is going to be the great balance, right? He said he doesn't want to tear it down, but at some point you say, all right, well, I'm going to have to take some pain this year in order to succeed long-term because he says that everything we want to do has our eyes on long-term success. So do you have to take, you know, while you're still competing, you know, because it's interesting wordplay, right? Can you sacrifice a little bit on now and take a step back but still, quote, compete, which is the point he made, right? So I think, Lance, that's going to be really interesting how he balances those two facets, the trying to compete but also trying to then build successfully for the future. Well, the way you accomplish that is the development of the recent draft classes. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Based on their evaluation, if the new coaching staff and Joe Shane feel good about some of these younger guys taking more significant roles within the offense or the defense, then I think, John, that makes it a little bit easier to sacrifice a veteran. And that's going to depend on what they see on film. And, and that, to me, is also how you accomplish both simultaneously. In order to be competitive at the same time trying to reconfigure your cap is the young players need to step up and deliver. It's not just they're arriving on the scene, hey, they're happy to be here, they're in the NFL. It's them getting on the field, staying healthy, and producing. So I think Joe Shane understands that based on what he said, which is what my major takeaway is. You build the draft, free agency is a complementary piece. Well, in order to make progress with that philosophy is the young guys have to immediately get on the field, and contribute. How good do they feel about some of the recent draft classes, and how quickly does the 2022 draft class get on the field and do something? That's going to dictate, guys, the outlook of this team. It's real simple. They're not coming in. He's not going to throw money at the wall and hope that it sticks. He can't do that realistically, and I don't think he has the desire to do that yeah. from a philosophical standpoint. And then the last thing that I wanted to add is, no coach, no general manager, regardless of any circumstance they're walking into. And I understand that we live in a world where everybody loves to psychoanalyze introductory pressers. At the end of the day, they don't gain anything by making bold declarations. Nothing. That's why you're not going to hear any predictions about how many wins the Giants are going to have next season. It was bland not... and boring, Lance. That's how you Correct. like it, baby. Correct. 100%. <laughs> He's not going to tell you in three years they're going to win the NFC East. What good does that accomplish? If you accomplish it, fantastic. If you fall short of it, you open the door for criticism. So whether you're inheriting a great situation or a situation with a lot of question marks, no coach, no GM should ever make make any bold declaration, you never benefit from that in the big picture. Paul, I just want to open up the phone lines here, 201-939-4513. And, folks, it's a big day. We'll go till 2.30, so it'll be a supersized show. If you, anybody wants to call in, I'll even just because it's a special day today with the presser, if you want to break the one-call-a-week rule, we can. I want to get calls for a full hour here from 1.30 to 2.30. Let's get on the line. All right, final thought. He did give us, and I don't know if you wrote it down, John, a checklist for what he wants in his head coach. He said it was not necessarily important that he was an experienced head coach in the league before. That was not going to be a requirement. He did want the following things on his checklist. I think I actually saw you fall down when he said that. But leadership. Okay. Yeah, leadership. <laughs> All right. Leadership. He wants to know about the guy's staff. He wants to know he can develop players. He wants to know the guy has a willingness to play younger players. He wants to know that he is going to be um, innovative and progressive. 
And he also wants to know that he's up to date and is willing to work with the sports performance and strength and conditioning folks to try to figure out what's the best way to keep the team healthy. Those were the things that he put down on his checklist. And he also mentioned, I believe this was, I think this is the presser or the breakaway, I don't remember. He talked about the type of players he's looking for in the draft and just some of the characteristics he mentioned. Uh, smart, tough, dependable. Guys that are talented, obviously, is the most important thing. He stressed that. But also guys that have character and have the right habits. Again, this is the same type of stuff that we've heard from pretty much every GM ever. So, But those are some of the things he mentioned uh, in terms of that. So, And he's going to take a look to see what type of guys are on the roster now that can serve as leaders and you know bring that culture and style to the team and you know express those types of values and help spread them to the rest of the team. And that's a uh, evaluation process that will be ongoing. 201-939-4513. All right, folks, like I said, we're going supersized here. We'll be on until 2.30 on Big Blue Kickoff Live to take your calls. And, of course, we can discuss the coaching search, too, obviously. Get on the phones. We can talk about the coaching search. John Marin and Joe Shane basically laid out who's talking when. So <laughs> They already told you. You know how I like to say I can't really say anything until the Giants have announced it? Well, if the owner says it, it's pretty much denounced, I think. So it's going to be... <laughs> Brian Flores tomorrow, and it's going to be Leslie Frazier for his second uh, interview on Friday. So that's what's coming down the pike, folks. When the owner says it, I think we're I, I think we're safe. I think so, John. Yeah. All right, let's go to the phones. UC in St. James will be first on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, UC? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks Hi. For my call. Thanks for calling in, man. What's up? So I watched the press conference. Uh, I know that press conferences are merely – just words and obviously actions speak louder than words but I like what he had to say you know Shane seems like he's ready for this job I like his demeanor his thought process you know I think at this point us Giants fans are willing to wait as long as it takes to legitimately do this thing correctly you know build this three team through the draft and more importantly hit on those picks you know there's been way too many picks the past several years that we haven't hit on which is a big reason why we've performed the way we have but all in all, I think that Shane's presence and attitude is really refreshing compared to the last regime and previous other regimes. But I had two quick questions for you guys. Sure. Um, my, my first question is um, when the coaching staff is fully assembled and the coach and the offensive staff are working on playbooks and have some plays in mind, is Daniel able to look at that playbook immediately so he can start learning this new offense and scheme? Or is there like a certain date he has to wait until he's able to do that? I believe it can be sent to him. He can't work with the coaches yeah, in yeah, the building. Correct. He can see it. But he can see it and go through it on his own. But he cannot work directly with the coaches on the playbook. Right. I believe that is the rule. As far yeah, as I know as well. To interact with the coaching staff at all in terms of the offseason until obviously the spring workouts and everything that's mandated in the in the CBA. Excuse they me, will get a bonus uh, time, though, because they have a new head coach. That's an extra week or two. Uh, yeah, every every team with a new head coach gets an extra week, week and a half, or whatever it is, of bonus time with their new team. Mm, okay, so that's, that goes to their whole team then, right? They'll, they'll all be able to see the plays at the same time? Uh, they could probably send stuff to the players, sure, yeah. They can get the yeah. playbook, but they cannot be in the room with the coaches going over stuff. Well, and they can't be taught it over Zoom either. Correct. You cannot interact correct. with the coaches. That's correct. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, cool. And my second question is, and I think, John, you kind of hit on this before, but during the press conference, Shane had mentioned that after him and the coaching staff review the film, they'll have to make some difficult decisions. So my question to you guys is, and I'm aware that this is purely all speculation right now, 
But who are some of the players on the roster right now that you kind of foresee Shane getting rid of in order to bring down the cap? A uh, good question. You see, look, frankly, and and thanks for the call. There aren't that many. <laughs> there aren't that many options, to be quite honest with you. I mean, the guys that are obvious options that just based on how much money you can save from the cap if you let them go. Uh, Riley Dixon is one, but his number's lower, so that's not going to solve all your problems. Uh, James Bradbury is one. Blake Martinez is one. But again, these are good players that are going to help you win games too. So th- those are the obvious names of guys that you could make moves on to save some money. Uh, but there really aren't a ton of options just based on how a lot of these contracts are structured. Yeah, we discussed this actually going into this season about how the Giants were setting themselves up for what they thought was going to be a potential playoff season in 2021. And to do that, they kind of had to back themselves into a corner, John, in terms of 2022. We, we kind of knew that was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, Lance and I went back. Remember when Kevin Abrams was a part of that press conference last year, and he basically said, yeah, we're going to be really tight in 2022. But it's a risk we're willing to take. Correct. Because we believe that this year we're going to make some noise. Yeah, that did not necessarily work out. Did not work out. Yeah. yeah so we there's, read there's those... not a lot of flexibility here. Yeah, we read those quotes on this show, if you go back a few weeks. And obviously, as Joe Shane mentioned in the press conference, he's going to be consulting with Kevin Abrams later this week, early next week, depending on how their schedule plays out. So he has Abrams to lean on, who was obviously here when they made these signings. So Abrams will be able to give his perspective on what may be doable, what may not be feasible. Because remember, you have to understand, Dave Gettleman and Kevin Abrams had that outlook. Now Shane's coming in. He may see things differently. He may be willing to make sacrifices that perhaps they weren't. So I think we have to take that into consideration. But coming into what Joe Shane is inheriting, I think clearly he understands that you're not just going to wipe everybody clean and all of a sudden gain an immense amount of cash space. I think you have to deal with the reality of the circumstance that the draft is going to be your best asset, at least in the initial stages of being the GM. Yeah, and Kyle Rudolph and Sterling Shepard, two other guys, just based, again, this I'm not saying they should let these guys go or they're going to, just based on what their contracts are, right. guys that you could potentially save economic money logic is what you're saying john well i'm just looking at right i'm just and again this is not official numbers i should point that this is based on what we're seeing on like spot track over right. the cap those are not there's economic decisive. sense there if you wanted to move on yes I, I do think though that we could probably connect the dots based on what he said about the draft and how you have to build through it and how they don't have a whole lot of flexibility. It sounds to me like he's not going to be moving around with those draft picks. He's going to need those draft picks and he's going to use those draft picks. I didn't get the sense from him that he was looking to combo picks and try to trade in the draft. Well, maybe unless he's going to get more. Correct. He could always do that. Yes. Yeah, so though the more I'm looking at this draft class, Paul, I don't think anyone's trained up for five or seven. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, yeah. I I don't expect no, him. I, I don't expect him to be packaging picks to move up or or to to uh, you know try to try to co- um, collect collect them you know to, yeah. to to move up a few spots even in the second round. I don't think that's going to happen. The other thing, Lance, and we talked about this last week. He kept saying eleven picks. I'm going to have to try to figure out exactly how many picks the Giants have at their disposal because I thought they were down to nine after the trades they made in the late summer, early fall. So I'll, I. He might know something about the compensatories that we don't know. Well, those aren't official yet. That's true. And I don't he think may be maybe he's yeah, but they're not really in line for compensatory yeah. picks after I, bringing in a couple again, guys. Again, that formula is a mystery. Again, we don't know. Correct. He I, may know something we don't. 
I need to figure out exactly what those picks are because there seems to be some confusion as to how many there actually are. That's why I try to stay away Correct. from it until we find out. Right. Yeah, he did say, though, 11 during he did his say presser. 11. So he did say 11. So whether or not there is validity behind that or he was accounting for something that actually was shipped out, time will tell. I just I look at it more of he didn't necessarily reference the 2022 draft class. He referenced the draft overall. So oh, obviously, yeah. if he's thinking big picture, is it possible that he wants to accumulate some extra picks in years to come? It's possible. Will he have a great deal of interest, to your point, John, in terms of somebody wanting to move up? I don't know about that, but he could still very well grab an extra pick or two in a mid to late round swap, if feasible. That could always come to fruition. I don't think that's crazy. 201-939-4513. Tim and Charleston's up next. Tim, what's going on? Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. First time in three weeks. Hi. Um, so I I just got, I got a quick observation or a comment from yesterday's show, and then uh, you guys just actually answered my second point, which was about con- compensatory picks, and then some observations on uh, the presser. Uh, so the first thing is yesterday's show, uh, Jeff mentioned how um, uh, Robbie Gold had uh, uh, contact. Uh-oh. Hold on, I'm still here, guys. Tim, are you okay? Tim. You didn't, are you still there? Yes, we got yeah, you. It almost here. sounded like Tim, you fell I'm down sorry. the stairs. What happened, buddy? What? Well, my, my, my wire got caught on a chair and pulled out of my phone, and my phone dropped on the floor. So <laughs> oh, I'm glad my. I got it plugged well, in. Well, that would describe it. So. So this time I'll hold it in my hand. How's that? Yeah, good um, idea. So, uh, Ro- yeah, Robbie Gold uh, had, you know, called Lawrence Signs, And it's funny because I had listened to the uh, our friend Paul Schwartz and Tynes podcast uh, when they talked about that and um, when Tynes talked about that. And it's funny because Paul Schwartz said, he said, if he kicks a game-winning field goal with no time or an overtime, he said, I'm going to have to write a column in the post about it now. So, and it's funny because that's exactly what happened and probably how the word got out there a little wider. But anyway, I just want to mention that because I thought it was kind of funny. Um, the, uh, so you answered the compensatory thing. You don't know yet if we have any. I've been doing um, – I've already done like 25 or 20-plus anyway mock drafts on PFF. <laughs> God bless they you, are only going sure, that was a ball of fun. Yeah. And they're only going through the sixth round. I think we – I forget if we have eight or nine. but So I don't know how many we have in the seventh. But, yeah, so anyway – so the, my points on the presser is, first of all, it was nice to listen to him. Like you said, boring is good. He was professional. He was to the point. There was no bombast. There was no smugness. There was no attempt to do stand-up. And thank God there was no Boston accent. Not to take a shot because I kind of did like Gettleman, but it was always a little bit like nails on a chalkboard. You listen to that Boston accent with every, with every, pre, with every press conference he gave. Um, and, um, the other thing is, uh, about the, um, you know, he, the other comment he made that you guys haven't mentioned, um, is he did say there are going to be some, when he talked about the salary cap and how they were going to have some difficult decisions to make, he did say there are going to be some voids. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Tim. He, he, he did say, look, we'll do our best, but the roster is going to have some voids. He did say that. Good call. Well, he also mentioned right. that there's and, some voids in terms of talent at certain positions right now as it stands on yes, the roster. Yeah. That's what he had mentioned right. as well. Obvi- obviously, O-line is the number one, yeah. But but uh, I, I think that, you know, given the cap situation that I'm thinking right now, and, of course, I don't have a crystal ball, but it just kind of makes sense that Bradbury might be a likely candidate. As, as talented as he is, 
Um, you know, uh, we have some young corners. We could maybe pick up another uh, decent corner in the mid-rounds of the draft. And he, he might have to be the sacrifice to give them some room to play around. So uh, other than that, you know, uh, the, the goal that I would like where I would like to be, and, and, aside from putting like – Go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. No, 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 Tim, I'm finished. I'm, I'm no. done. Finish up. Finish up. Uh, I was going to say the goal where I would like to be is five years from today, I would like to have the same GM and the same head coach and have won the NFC East at least once and have won at least one playoff game. Without putting a short timeline on it, that would make me very happy if we don't have to be going through this process again before I retire. (laughs) You know what I mean? Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Appreciate the call. All right, three things that he touched on at the end I want to touch on very quickly. One – Bradbury, to me, is not going to be a cut. If they move on from him, he only has a nine. If once they move him, he only has he has a $13 million cap hit for whatever team acquires him. That's a good price for a starting cornerback. So you could probably trade him and at least get something back for him instead of just letting him go outright. If you wanted to move him. Again, I'm saying if you, I'm not so sure that I would. No, I don't know if I would either. But he said, look, but he said, look, I think they'll, he said, his opinion was that they'll let go of Bradbury. That's how they find relief. And my point is no, that I don't think so. You wouldn't. But my point is that you wouldn't just have to let him go. You can move him in a trade, still have your cap savings, and maybe get something back for him. Yeah, that that's number would be attractive to somebody. Yeah, thirteen's not a bad number for a one-year deal for a corner. That's not bad. A Pro Bowl caliber corner, and that's someone then you can resign and restructure if you want. If you're the you know team sure. that's training for him, that's number one. Number two, John Mara did make the point that. It's killing him to be on this every press conference, every two years train with the head coach. And that was as animated as I think we saw him in that breakaway session. He was. And he's like, boy, that is just not, I hate doing this. I hate doing these press conferences because it means we have another change. And that was kind of thing related back to the point where he said, we've done all we can to screw up Daniel Jones with all these changes. So He did did use those words. And Lance, you always talked about continuity. And he said, look, we are striving for continuity. We want that continuity. We hate making these changes all the time. So... Yes, Tim, the ownership thinks the same way you do. And I think I want to stress this too because I think both first two callers made this point that they want to grow this thing the right way and be patient. So here's what I don't want. What I don't want to get is a phone call in week seven next year and the team's two and five and saying, I'm not sure Joe Shane knows what he's doing. Yeah. Let's not do that, please. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not do this, please. Because I think all of us understand, after watching last weekend's playoff football, we're ways off here. It doesn't mean you can't compete for a playoff spot. Like, are the Giants that far away from being like where the Eagles are this year and they made the playoffs? No. Are they that far away from where the Steelers are who snuck into the playoffs this year? No. But there's a difference between that and, like, the Chiefs and contenders, the Bills John. and teams that are legitimate contenders. Super Bowl contenders. Correct. So I think it's important to be patient to understand it might take a while to get there is the point that I think I'm trying to make. Well, especially from an offensive standpoint. I mean, that's what you got to tackle first. You got to be able to put points on the board before we even have the conversation about getting up into the territory of teams that are – at least surfacing within the playoff conversation because over the last two seasons, they've barely been able to get to 20 points. So, I mean, I think that goes without saying. As far as the patient view, which is what I think you're getting at, John, the only thing I will say is, and, you know, going back to— Those calls will come. 
previous history. No, but, you know, this is another reason why I don't read too much into press conferences in general. If you remember, when Joe Judge was introduced as the head coach, if we go back and we listen to the show we did, there were people calling up saying, I will be ready to run through a brick wall for this man. And everybody was jumping through the roof. And then all of a sudden, the struggles came, and everybody was singing a different tune. It's more of a reason why this is a results-oriented business. It's not about what you say at an introductory presser. It's about the product you put on the field and what you do behind the scenes to put together a roster. So the patience is, let's see what happens, as opposed to make bold declarations, whether they be good or bad, five minutes after an introductory presser. It's just there's nothing that good will come of it Let's at all, heck with period. five minutes after a presser. How about eight games of the first year? Sure, yeah. Like, guys, this is, this is when it's, whenever a franchise brings in a brand-new gym and a brand-new head coach, it's the start of something new. And when you're starting something new in the NFL, it's hard, all right? Now, it doesn't mean that things can't click, and frankly, next year's schedule is going to be a lot easier based on the divisions you're playing. You're going to win more games just because of that and the team being healthier. So I think things will get better, but again— Well, I depending think, on what happens this offseason well, for some of those other correct. teams, John, keep in mind. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No question about it. You know the strength of schedule routine. Yes. We don't have to go over that. Correct. So, yes. 100% yes. no argument. But I'm just saying, guys, we need to understand that this is going to be a process. And just remember one other thing. John Maris said this in his side press conference that we were able to attend later on. He was very clear, and you mentioned this, John, that they did everything they could to mess up Daniel Jones. They still believe, John said, I hope and I still have faith in him. He still thinks that Daniel Jones is going to be the franchise quarterback. Well, they think he can be the guy. They think, they think. But I want to stress that they did not say they're committing to him. No, they did not. They know that he is, but they think they need to give him one. They seem to think they need to give him a better shot with a better situation around him this upcoming year. John said we did everything we could to mess this guy up. We've changed his coaches out. We've changed his offensive uh, coordinators out. We've changed the systems out. We haven't given him an offensive line. John rattled off every single reason why we have told you a quarterback can be inhibited. He used every single one of them and said, look, I just hope we can finally get things straight around Daniel Jones so we can finally determine and see what he can be. Right, and and that's the one if. Uh, right, but Correct. the point is, and this again was echoed by Joe, that's why he himself said we got to fix things around Barkley and Jones. So, folks, prepare for this to be a prove-it year for both Barkley and Jones, your two most important offensive components. And Joe Shane said, fixing this the is offensive a, line will help both of them. That's right. Mm-hmm. So this is a prove-it year. It's obvious that in 2022, Barkley and Jones are going to be the key points to this offense. And whether they are going forward will be determined by how they do this season. And Joe Shane did point out that, look, even though we're not going to have a lot. And, boy, he pointed out. How many times did he point out we're not going to have a lot of money to spend in for agency? He pointed out around like a half dozen times. I was going to say five. Yeah, it was a lot. So, guys, I don't want to hear these calls. Well, guys, if we cut him, him, and him, and him, then can we go find a a lead offensive lineman? It's not happening. Okay, but he did say, well, then how do you do it without having that money to sign the elite player? You have to do well in the draft at the top of the draft. You have to find guys in the mid and late rounds and your pro personnel guys have to go out and find guys that maybe don't cost a lot of free agency that can actually play. Which is why he also stressed, I need to know about the coaches that will develop guys. Because if you're going to go to pro personnel and say, hey, can I pick up the second or third string offensive lineman, let's say from the Tennessee Titans on the cheap? 
well, now, can my coaching staff coach this guy up to be a competitive starter? That's right. a big deal. Well, that's also why the staff is just as important as the head coach. So yeah. whoever does ultimately get hired as the head coach, and we were having this conversation on previous shows, if you bring in an offensive-minded coach, well, he better have somebody that he has faith in controlling the defense. If you go defense, who's going to be the offensive play caller to help work with Daniel Jones, assuming he's here, and the components that they bring in? And as far as it's a prove-it year or show-me year, however you want to word it, the bottom line is Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, depending on what happens with Daniel Jones' fifth-year option, could very well be lame duck players both next year, they meaning both they're both agents. in the final could year be. of their contract. Could so, be. I mean, that alone on the surface means, hey, you either show that you warrant the second contract or with a new general manager here and a new coaching staff, they may turn the page and look elsewhere. So I would say by default, it becomes a significant sure. year for both of those players. And significant for both of them to stay healthy. Sure. Something they haven't done the last yeah. couple of years as well. Marty and Manhawkins up next. Matty. John, how are you? What's up? Uh, hey, listening to the uh, thing you were just talking about, uh, you know, you're saying, uh, you know, that uh, it's going to be a make it or break it for Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. But, I mean, do you, do you really think a year will be enough? Because even if we do bring in – new players for the offensive line. It's, it's going to take a while for them to gel anyway. And, you know, it may not happen in a year. It may happen, it may happen in two years. No, but Marty, but they're still going to have to make a decision one way or the other. Now, that might be, all right, well, we're not sure he's the guy. We think he might be, so we'll give him a smaller contract. That's still a decision you make. But they're going to have to make some type of decision on Daniel Jones if they don't pick up his fifth-year option after this year. Yeah, the timing on the to, contracts forces you. Yeah. Your hand is being forced. You will have to make some type of decision at the end of this year, no matter what. Now, you have to. Now, that doesn't mean it's either cut him or pay him $35 million a year. There's a middle ground there you it can could be, get to also. Depending upon how the player feels but about it. Some type of decision is going to have to be made. Yeah, because you right. could always bring him back, perhaps on a one-year deal, assuming right. this is his last year. Maybe then you bring in somebody else to compete with him. You say, hey, we saw some flashes. Remember, the other thing, Marty, is Daniel's got to prove he can stay healthy, too, okay? It's not just about production. It's about do you have faith that he could be out there for 15 games, 16. Ideally, you'd love to have him for all 17. Daniel Jones has yet to play a full season. You know, that's a big part of being a starting quarterback, availability. So it's not just the production. He has to prove he can stay durable. Well, he, at the that's why we need the good line to, to keep him from getting well, uh, knocked around. Well, but keep in mind, he also has gotten hurt on running plays, too. Let's not forget about that. In fact, so, I think that's where all his injuries yeah. come from, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, so the bottom line yeah. is, if you're going to have an offense where you're going to utilize him as a runner, then he has to be able to absorb those hits and then remain healthy. So, you know, it's not yeah. just the offensive line, I would argue, Marty. Yeah. Okay, the last thing I have is uh, I, I was glad to hear that uh, – he kind of uh, he he went back to the Bill Bill Parcells and he uh, sure did. Ho- oh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully Parcells will give him a little insight, and uh, you know, we can we can write the ship uh, that way. You know, he periodically talks to Bill Parcells and mentioned that Parcells was a huge influence on him. He also mentioned another former Giant uh, defensive coordinator, John Fox, who he got to know really well yeah. in Carolina, and he yeah, expressed when he was talking about his affection and respect for the Giants organization, he was specifically addressing what Fox and Parcells had told him. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's good to go back to some roots there. Hey, uh, thanks for taking the call, and uh, 
and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Marty. You too. You know, the now, other thing. Yeah, go ahead, Lance. Oh, I'm no, sorry. go ahead, John. Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to add briefly on Parcells. That was the first part of the things about Parcells. I was wondering if Paul at that point was so giddy he tuned out the second thing you said about Parcells. I, that's what I was going to get Oh, to. is that where you were that's going That's exactly to? what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> that, that second part was pretty important, by the way. Yes. That, in terms of what he's – and I know he said it in a joking manner, yes. but there was some validity to it. That maybe yes. he's not – up to some of the modern things you need to do in order to successfully build a winning team in the modern era. I heard it. Okay. <laughs> Bill Bill would I just have to make sure that you heard and it. Bill would tell you he could not head coach today in this league. Boy, Lance and I were all over that, huh? But it's not be, not because of his philosophy, so much because of his techniques, to be frank with you. Well, but he didn't specify though. He did Paul, not specify. Fairness. He did he not specify. He just said that in terms of evolving to today's present yes. game. That's and what I, he said. And I think that we can could mean in, a lot of things. We though. could interpret that however sure. we choose to. And I'm I'm saying I interpreted techniques because Bill knows he could not coach today. Well, yes, well, but I, I think I'm it, not. But go ahead, Lance. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm not taking a shot at Bill Parcells. No, He's one of the greatest that would coaches. Be foolish to do. All I'm saying, no, there's no need to. The resume speaks for it's itself. Fantastic. My point was is that you could be a highly respected individual within the history of the game, but when you excelled, the game was different than it is 20 to 30 years later. And I think that's what Joe was saying. Joe yes. was saying he has conversations with Bill. He even said when the Bills lose a game on a Sunday, Bill will Bill call, will call up Monday. on Monday yep. and critique the team. Yep. He doesn't shy away from that. And there's nothing wrong with getting that perspective. But that doesn't mean that his opinion is the end-all, be-all. That's, I think, what my interpretation of what Joe was saying, essentially. It's okay. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Doug in New York. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Doug. Hi. What's Hello. Up? I'm, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of the last caller, what he talked about, because one of the biggest things I was impressed with with Joe was the interview that Joe Shane had with Charlie Hare, he asked him about Bill Parcells, and and he raved because he he said he, he even early on he said if you ever get a chance to go work for the Giants, he says they take care of their people. And then no, and he, also said, Joe, he, he also said yeah, he, he said that's the best job in the league. Day, he, he, he even calls Joe up, I mean Bill up for advice. So Bill Bill obviously had a lot of, lot of impression and had a lot of do. You, you know who? Guy to, to, to sex. He's so, also um, talked about Bill Polian, the, the Hall of Fame executive, who I have, uh, again, immense respect for. Uh, he said that he has learned a lot from Bill Polian. Now, you, you know, if you know anything about Bill, I mean, that guy's about as football lifer as you're going to get. Well, he mentioned he read Polian's book. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The right. other point I had was about, about the new head coach, the only thing I'm worried about if they get the offensive coordinator from Buffalo. If you remember right, when they hired Schumer, Schumer wanted to go back and get the, his Schirmer, yeah. his uh, quarterbacks coach. They would never let let him give the, give the Giants an interview for his old quarterbacks coach. That's the only worry I have with the Buffalo, the he Buffalo guy. That was DeFilippo, right, who, who had in Minnesota? Right. Mm-hmm. Correct, yeah. Well, because a team you, could step in if it's not a true promotion of some sort or depending on what the co- contract setup is. 
So I think that's what the last caller is referring to. And by the way, it's not. I don't even think going from like a position coach to OC is necessarily a true promotion. I think a team can block that if they wanted to, can't they? Yes. Technically? Yes. They well, can, And right? that was yeah. the situation. When Shermer wanted to bring over somebody from Minnesota and Minnesota. And actually, I don't think it was DeFilippo. It was Stefanski, John. Well, oh, was that's it Stefanski? Who it was. Stefanski? I know it was. Yeah, it was Stefanski. Kevin You're Stefanski. Right. It was wanted, Stefanski. You're right. Who Thank obviously you. became, yeah, the Cleveland head coach. That's who he wanted to bring yeah. over. But, DeFilippo at one point yeah. was, was talked about, I remember, as potentially coming here for an interview, but I don't I don't remember the date or the order. You're right, though, Lance. Thank of you. The guy. Yes, You're right. No it's Stefanski. Thank you. Yeah. By the way, I believe DeFilippo is a free agent right now. Just FYI. Do you want with the Chicago Bears? My I'm staking with that. I think he's free right now, though. The no, Bears he may don't have be a coach. free. I just I think his last stop was. Yeah, but the I'm Bears don't have a coach. Is what I'm saying. I believe he's right. free. Yeah, he's today. the he's the correct. He was the passing game coordinator and QB coach for the Bears. But you're right. Since they cleaned house, he is technically on the market. Yes. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. Charlie, what's up? Hey guys, <clears throat> how you all doing? Good, Charlie. And by the hey. way, I have, we didn't mention it earlier. I guess it's fitting I'll do it when you call up because you're always trying to find a new quarterback. John Mara and Joe <laughs> Shane both said that they're not trading for Deshaun Watson. Go ahead. Oh, that's fine with me. I, I didn't want Watson anyway. Um, hey, but if Dan... Charlie if Dan in concert Quinn, with the GM. I'm, I'm not sure if that's a good that's thing amazing. or amazing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, if Dan Quinn comes here, he knows Russell Wilson very well, so who knows what could happen. But anyway... Um, you know, I think it's really, you know, he, uh, Shane said a lot of things. Um, to me, it narrowed down the head coach pretty, pretty narrow. Um, just saying that they got to be on line with him. They got to have the same vision. They, you know, he, you know, he said, yeah, they don't have to be a head coach and all that stuff. But they, they got to be in lockstep with what he wants to do. And to me, you know, he worked with two guys that he really knows and they know him. Uh, to me, if they go outside of that, I would be totally, totally surprised. Well, he, he did say he knew Dan Quinn pretty well. And he knows yeah, Brian yeah. Flores very well. He said he knew a lot of people in Miami who he had a good read on Flores also. Well, and Anna Rumo was yeah. there with him in Miami as well. Yeah, good point. No question. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I think the the cards have been thrown in that direction. And the other thing is, like, I'm not worried about Daniel Jones being our quarterback. Because he can't stay healthy anyway. And I know Shane is smart enough to know that he has to have some competition. He has to have somebody that is going to be able to compete with him at least. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm not worried about it. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, warn you one thing, Charlie, because I don't want you to be too yeah. disappointed with the cap <laughs> issues that the Giants have. If you're going to yeah. bring in another quarterback who's supposed to have some worth and some value to compete for a starting job, it's going to cost you some money. Like, for example, just to give an example, and Lance, correct me if I have the money wrong, I believe as a backup, didn't Marcus Mariota make 8 to $10 million and for the Raiders? That was an yeah. example I was going to use. Right. You bring in, you bring in a guy of that ilk, which is going to be the kind of guy you're talking about. You got to find a way to come up with that cash, and I don't well, think they're they going to be able to do that because that money's going to have to be targeted for, for example, maybe an offensive lineman that they're going to need to bring in, or maybe or multiple offensive linemen. Uh, yeah, have to bring in. I mean, depending upon what they can get in the draft, that money's going to have to be targeted to another resource that is of more primary importance. Mariota, by the well, way, signed a two-year deal for seventeen million. Eight so, and a half. Uh, yeah, yeah, eight and a half. Exactly. Well, as you mentioned thing, now. 
The other guy that I wanted to throw out just as a possibility is, okay, and here's where the money could be manageable is Mitchell Trubisky was brought in to back up Josh Allen. And that's where Shane just came from. He signed right. a one-year deal for $2.5 million. Yeah. So I'm just talking hypothetically. No, that, that's a good number. they said, hey, come over, Mitch, you know, you're going to be his backup slash competitor. Would you take $3 million on a one-year deal? Maybe considering he took $2.5 million, it's possible that the math could maybe work out under those circumstances. Now, that's an economically friendly kind of deal you're talking about. But now do you believe that Trubisky is truly competition? Or do you not yeah. think he is really competition well, for I mean, Daniel Jones? You won't find many people that have started as much games that have, and yeah. I, I hate quarterback record, but he actually does have a decent record as a starting quarterback. Oh, but the, the experience yeah, is there, correct. John. Yes. I think that's more important. Forget the record. The what you, what you better, pointed out first, his, he's got the experience. His stat, hey, guys, his stats are better than Jones's, too. But anyway, he also Shane also said was very important. He said durability. He wants players who are dura, durable, who sure. can actually be on the field okay so and i think it's going to be up to the head coach pretty much on if jones is the guy or not um so you know we don't even have the head coach yet but i think uh, he's going in the direction of guys that he really really knows and uh then we'll then we'll see what happens i mean you know i i i'm just sitting back and you know i i hope it's quinn i hope it's you know I, I, I want a veteran coach, Flores or a Frazier. If it's if it's the uh, OC from Buffalo, then that's the way he wanted to go. That's fine with me. So you know, I'm just sitting back. I, I'll make my judgments when we start going to free agency. Who he's going to cut? He said we're going to have to make some important cuts. Some you know some things that are not going to be tough decisions. Yeah, that's what he said. Tough yeah, tough yeah. decisions. So we're going to see some tough decisions, you know. And when we see that, and when I see the free agency, and when I see who we draft, and maybe he said 11, um, you know, draft choices because he plans on moving one of the top two and getting a couple more picks. Maybe that's why he said 11. I don't know. But uh, Thank you, Charlie. Anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody's waiting in bated breath for your timetable to come for your evaluation. <laughs> <laughs> that was some teaser, right? Yeah, let's Look, mark it Charlie, down. I got to tell you, I know you're still listening. I'm with you. I, I strongly prefer a guy with previous NFL head coaching experience. Joe Shane did not indicate that was a deal breaker for him. No, no, he frankly said it did not matter at all to him. He said it's not a concern. Yeah. Yes. It's not well, a concern. It would be for me. I'm, I'm, I'm just simply telling you that's my preference. Well, and they've already interviewed a pair of candidates that have no head coaching experience. And some who do. So, and Lou Anarumo. I know. So, I know. I mean, that's half the field at this point that they've interviewed. So I wouldn't think that it would be a huge X factor. By the way, quick side note, I love it how Charlie goes, I didn't want Deshaun Watson, but if Dan Quinn becomes the head coach, he knows Russell Wilson. If John Mara said one of the reasons why Watson cap. wouldn't be realistic, correct. One of the reasons was cap. So you're going to tell me you're going to pass on Deshaun Watson, but then you're going to have enough money to then all of a sudden absorb Russell Wilson. Not yes. happening. Which is that 20, makes a lot of sense. Which is 20 plus million dollars. Yes. By the way, yeah, yeah Russell Wilson, his contract by himself takes up two decent offensive and linemen. By the way, <laughs> the Seahawks actually want have to like want him to not be on their team. That's the other part like, of the equation. The, yes. He's he's kind of under contract and he's kind of property of the Seahawks. Yes. So this is true. He's their player. Just That's like right. Aaron Rodgers is property of the Packers. That they, is true. It takes two to tango with those situations. Yes. Exactly. All right, let's go to Jason in Colorado. He's up next. Jason, how are you, buddy? Good, guys. Hey, I, I was curious. Nobody addressed the injury problem with Shane. 
And uh, in regards to that, the possibility of changing the, the field to a grass field. And so I was wondering if maybe he addressed that separately or anybody asked what they're going to do. That's about not his choice because the Giants and Jets co-own the stadium. So he's in no position to say, I'm going to change it out to a grass field because he doesn't own the rights to do that. The, 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 the teams co-own the stadium. So, A, they would both have to agree to any change of that sort physically to the facility. And then, B, we've already known that the, prop, the, uh, the primary complaint about doing something like that is the durability of the field. And they believe that they need to have the artificial surface because it's the only way to allow the building to be used as often as it is. Huh. Well, so then what about addressing the fact that the Giants have the, the, the number one uh, injury problem in the NFL? Did he say anything about he, that? He did not, other than to discuss the fact that one of the requirements of the head coach was that he was going to be very much involved in the sports performance category and did want to know what the head coach's thoughts were on that, strength and conditioning and sports performance. He's like, you know, that is one of the components he was looking for in the head coach's checklist. And one I of the takeaways. Go, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, on a related note to what Paul was saying, my interpretation of also what Shane said on that point was that the coach needs to be open to listening to the advice of the medical people. Maybe I'm really interpreting this, but sort of, hey, if they say a guy needs to sit out for two weeks, let's not put him back on the field a week later and, God forbid, re-injure him. That's how I interpreted some of the things that Shane right. had said, that well, I think that communication is important. Certainly, Lance, he did in the, in the offside presser talk about the fact that uh, how you adjust your practices can also be a part of that component. So I do think what you're saying has some, some beef to it. And by the way, let me just add this. There's a really good Twitter account that I found like three days ago. It's called Man Games Lost NFL. It is. And it's they track, by a doctor in Canada. Well, whoever tracks it, they track basically the number of games. And the Giants games have the most loss since 29. Right. But more, more interesting is that, for example, the Falcons and the Vikings were the two, <coughs> excuse me, were the two least injured teams over the past 12 years. Both those teams play oh. on turf. That's of the top point. 16 most injured teams in the last 12 years, 10 play on turf. Of the 16 least injured, 10 play on grass. So I don't think it's as much of a determining factor as some people think. And just to give you an example, this year, and this is man games lost due to injury, the Giants had the most. You know who the second most was? Baltimore. No. Grass. You know who the third most was? Tennessee. Grass. So of the six teams that have lost the most players due to injury just in 2021, three of them played on grass, three of them played on turf. So... I, I I know it's frustrating. I wish I had an answer for the injury problem. If I did, I would flip the switch and I would fix it. The Giants have switched strength and conditioning coaches three times in the last five years with different coaching staffs. Mm -hmm. They've tried different things. I hate to just say it's really bad luck, but I just don't know if there's something that I can put a finger on that I think is really predictive of these injuries problems, except... Don't sign guys that have an injury history. Right. And look, the Giants got burnt with that last year with Kenny Galladay. But a guy like Olivier Vernon, who they signed, he had never missed a game in the league. And then he comes here and he can't stay healthy. So it's just something that's yeah. really hard to predict. Remember, about 20 years ago, the Giants at their old Giants stadium played on those grass trays. The replaceable grass trays, which basically looked like a pigsty of mud 
by the time you got to the final month of the season. And to be frank with you, I think that anyone, whoever played on those trades, would tell you that that slop was probably more dangerous, you know, in terms of, of potential injury than anything else you're going to play on. Also, right. keep in mind, right. Jason, well, you look at some of the injuries. Thank you, Jason. I mean, Appreciate Nick, Nick Gates got hurt on the road. He didn't even get hurt in on his own turf. Yeah, so, you know, and Bill I know Rash. Washington's field is not necessarily the one to Well, in September, it's in good league. shape, though. <laughs> well, yeah, well, but well, when well, you get well, outside and of that. And again, he got rolled on. You know, sure, rolled yeah. on has nothing to do with grass. Well, no, and that's my point, you John. Rolled, you get rolled. Yeah, my, my point is I think we also we can't just group the injuries all together in one bunch. You have to look at some of them are really serious injuries that, hey, unfortunately, maybe it does have to do with just bad luck. To me, if you're a team, and you're plagued by hamstring, calf injuries, sort of pulled muscles. You want to say, well, maybe something's going on in terms of the preparation. Yeah, That's agreed. one thing. Yep. If you're getting torn Achilles and ACLs and broken bones, I don't know what you think you can do to prevent some of those injuries. I mean, Baltimore even had a lot of serious oh injuries I do. that Saquon, occurred. When Saquon yeah. Rocky tore his ACL, it was on a grass field in, in Chicago. Chicago. A yeah. better chart, John, which we don't have access to, and, I, don't, I, and I've, I have messaged with this gentleman before. He's a doctor, a medical guy up in, uh, can, in Canada. He's the Did guy he who puts to this you? together. Oh, sure. We, we oh, had okay. conversation because what I asked him was I wanted to quantify not, ju- not just how many of these injuries are because the Giants were the most injured in this past season. They were the most injured team over the last five years, and they were the most injured team in the NFL since 2009. I mean, it's it just ridiculous. But I asked him, can you quantify for me an injury chart just of starters? to give you a better idea. Because if a guy is the 52nd player on the roster and he plays special teams and he's lost for the season and misses 16 games, that's not nearly as bad as losing Saquon Barkley. You know, there's a different amount of value to each one of those injuries. He couldn't give me that. The other thing that I think is interesting, and John just read off the names and said, okay, these guys play on home uh, grass fields. These guys play on artificial turf. Well, maybe the charge should actually be by stadium. Instead of by team, well, I don't, injuries by stadium, well, yeah, which we don't have. I don't think that's what he's trying to track, though. He's trying yeah. to track how injuries impact teams, not what stadiums cause injuries. But, you know but, what I'm but, saying? But, yeah, but, but, to but to the right. caller's question, yeah. yes. that would be a better chart to have injuries by stadium. Well, but I think, too, if John read and said that the Ravens play on grass and they had an extreme high volume, I think that puts water, spills water onto the point about you're saying that teams that play on turf are more likely to suffer higher volume of injuries than the ones on grass. If we're seeing that there's a mix of the data, Paul, I think there's enough to go by that I don't think that narrative holds enough weight. Well, I think the, the thing about it is you have to look over several years, first of all. You can't just look, do over one year. But the other thing is, as we know, and we'd have to go through it all, and I don't think we have the time to go through this now, every 30, 32 teams and say, okay, who plays on grass and who doesn't? Which division has more grass fields? Which division has more plastic fields? I mean, you could get caught in a particular season, even if you're a home grass team, where you might, you just might wind up playing more of your games on artificial turf within your division or with or or the cross division schedule than playing a bunch of games all on grass. There could be a year where 15 of your games are on grass, but then another year where only sure. 9 of your games are on grass. Right. And that's and that also creates a variance in your stats. 
All right, so we got a couple questions here from Twitter. Bill Shannon asked about the draft picks, looking to add picks. How many picks is – okay, this is one thing we didn't address. How many picks is too many to have in the draft? At some point, can you have too many picks? I say no. Depends on roster spots that are available. But the bottom line is you have a 90-man roster, yeah. right, entering camp. So you're going to have the spots to fill up. I would say it's more of out of the volume of picks you have in the draft, John – how much are likely to make the roster slash practice squad? Well, and Lance, what I'll say is that this. That, to me, is a fair question. If you have a bunch of extra late-round picks, you just cut down on your undrafted free agents. Yeah, because right. you don't so, need to fill up the rest right. of the roster. With right. right, and you pick yeah. the guys you would have tried to sign as undrafted free agents. You just pick them in the seventh round instead. There can be such a thing if you have too many first or seconds because they go to get more money. Okay, yeah. but that, I, that could potentially hurt you a little bit if you're you know close in the wallet in terms of the cap. Also a good problem to have. Uh, yeah, in terms of talent, <laughs> sure. I don't think fans are, man, I can't believe we get four first-round picks. we got to pay these guys. I don't think that's something fans are complaining about. Yeah. Um, from Alyssa, Mrs. Danny Dimes, um, wasn't a big fan of Joe Judge's head coach, but liked him overall. Any chance that he could possibly stay on as a special teams coordinator or something like that? No, that generally does never happens. Uh, once someone has let go as a head coach, they're not going to stay on as, as a lower spot. That's not how it generally works. Thomas McGahee is an outstanding special teams coordinator. And, right. I, and, and uh, look, I, I would think, I don't know this for a fact, but I would think whoever the new head coach is, they probably would at least want to talk to him because he's well-respected around the league. Well, he stayed on already with a variety of head coaches yeah, he here. Has. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that way. alone perhaps gives him a chance. But remember, he, I think, reportedly has gone on a few other interviews. So... There's no guarantee that he will be available, depending on when the new head coach. No, by the way, you want a connection, Joe Shane, Carolina. You know what? Former Giant was just let go as special teams coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. Chase, Chase Blackburn. Blackburn, but he has something else brewing. He and I have already had conversation. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three two zero one nine three nine four five one three. I believe Steve in Albany is up next. Steve, what's going on, man? Line two. How you doing, guys? What's uh, up, Steve? Really, really excited about the new GM hire. He's got a lot of damage control to uh, strain out from Gettleman. But uh, the thing on my mind is the biggest name out there as far as a head coach is Jim Harbaugh. Why do you think he hasn't been brought in for an interview? I don't know why. Um, I'll just say in terms of Jim Harbaugh, he was a guy that Michigan was considering letting go last year, and they were ready to let him go. And I think he's someone, given all the power and control he has in Michigan, might want to have that similar amount of power control for whatever NFL team he goes to. And that generally has not been something the Giants do in terms of having a head coach also have personnel power. You would also have to consider the fact that you don't need to ask for permission to talk to an NCAA coach. So if, for example, there was any communication at all, hypothetically, between the Giants and Jim Harbaugh, that does not have to be announced. Right. You don't have to ask for permission to talk to a college guy. So if they did talk, if they did, maybe one side or the other side said, no, nah, we're not really interested in pursuing this. And that could have been the end of it. Yeah, who knows? And he just signed right. a contract extension last January. Not well, that that means anything. I was going to say, Lance. Now, that was the last time a college that, coach right. was yeah. married to and his deal. that last no, contract sure. extension actually was a pay cut for him, if I'm not mistaken, right? 
Mm-hmm. It may have been. I don't know what the financials are. It's possible. It but he did sign an extension in that at least can keep him there through 2025. The only reason I'm saying that is I don't know if that's the case, but I would wonder if somebody did pluck him away from Michigan, if Michigan would want some compensation in return to help offset whatever his contract calls. Oh, so money-wise you're talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. all I'm throwing out there. I, I will yeah. tell you, I, I, I'm friendly with a very good friend of Jim's. Uh, who's known Jim for decades, and he has said to me that he always believed that if Jim were to go back to the NFL, it would be with the Raiders. Okay, well, it's a possibility, a possibility considering right? that job is over. Yeah, and, and that that has been yeah. a rumor. That's, it has that, been, that's, yes. That's there been have been some rumors. Yep. Yeah. I just don't want to see him going to the Cowboys if that happens. Well, they have um, a head coach something right tells now, me the so. Cowboys might be holding their breath for Sean Payton to want to be a yeah. head coach again in a year or two at this point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Steve. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you the call. It. We didn't mention the Sean Payton thing. I know a lot of Giant fans were tweeting me about that yesterday. He basically said he's not coaching this year. Right. More or less so. Said well, he was interested no. in TV, and I can't blame him. No. Yeah, but here's a nice the... fat check for that. And, and he's still, I think you're going to say this, Lance, he's still yeah. under the Saints' control anyway. Correct. You got to pay Until 2024. That, yes. Yeah, so whatever you would do, let's say he would magically want to coach a new team. You then have to give compensation to the Saints. It could be a draft pick. It could be money. Oh, so it would give be up multiple resources. draft picks probably. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but the point is you have to give up resources to help build your roster in order to just get your head coach. Forget about that. So you have to ask yourself, is it that value? Is that worth giving up simply to just bring in a coach before you even start to tackle your roster? Yeah, if you have a team that's better and set and is a really good team, but you think an upgrade to an elite coach would help you, and that pick's going to be like in the 20s, well then, yeah, fine. See you later, pick. But if you were like, Building like where the Giants are, and you had the fifth and seventh overall picks. Nah. That's going to take a lot of crawfish. Well, if if you remember, I think the example that you're bringing up is when John Gruden was acquired by the Bucks. Yeah, from the Raiders. Perfect example, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? They go on and they win a Super Bowl. Well, because the Patriots he was... traded for Belichick. Yeah, I mean that that's another example. So you know there have been a few situations where yes, it's worked out. But you have to look at the situations of those teams acquiring that coach and the salary cap and the draft capital and so forth. All right, let's go to Len in Columbia, Maryland. He's up next. Len, how are you? Good. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's going on? Hey. um, First, a quick one for uh, Paulie. Uh, Paul, you threw out the number 52. It was in a little different context than I'm going to talk about. But one of the biggest problems, Paul, we have on our roster is we got too many players with 52 Level talent. We, we got to improve the talent. What level. do you mean, fifty-two level talent? I don't well, know. Well, back end of the roster guys. 50, oh, 50 oh, like player fifty-two. That's what he's talking about. I got you. Okay, I got you. I got you. Okay. All right. Um, hey, uh, not, nice interview. I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, you know, let's let's get the right coach in here. Um, one feeling, one impression that I got from listening to Joe Shane. Um, the the collaborative effort, to me, the collaborative effort for him is going to be with somebody that he knows better than somebody else. Um, now, maybe that leads me to think that he's going to push for Dabble. I don't know. Maybe. I really don't care. I've been, guys, this, is, this will be my 17th. This will, this will be my 17th head coach. Some of them have been better than others. Uh, just get somebody in there who falls into that better category. Let's get some players and let's win some games. Hey, look, and Len, I'll say this too. If you have a good coach and you got bad players, that good coach is going to get flushed out along with the bad ones. So yep. It, yep. you, you yep. have to give the coach players. You can be the best coach in the world if you have bad players. It ain't going to matter. 
Absolutely. Relationships Absolutely. only going to take Absolutely. you so far. Absolutely with that. Let me, uh, uh, Bruce Beck's question to uh, the general manager, he started off by saying the fans are disgruntled. Wow, that's an understatement. I hope one of the things that Joe understands and can deal with it, he's got a short honeymoon period. Why? I know he doesn't. He doesn't. I know we don't want to talk about years and so forth, and I'm not going to do that. But boy, it's not going to take long. No, but when here's uh, the problem: when you, when people and fans have that attitude, that's what forces a team to go out. Or I shouldn't say forces, but that's what incentivizes a team to go out there and spend all this money on these high-end free agents because you don't want to be patient to build it the right way, and that hurts the franchise. Well, I hope that doesn't happen with, with, with Joe, and I hope it doesn't happen with the Giants. Right, so then he but should I have a long gonna, I think honeymoon he's... period. That's my point. I'm, I'm sorry, I missed that, No, John. but that, that, that's my point, Len. You said he has a short honeymoon period. And my, my thing is, why? Why does this guy have to come in? What does anything that's happened over the last eight years have to do with Joe Shane? Why does he have a short leash because the team has been bad for eight years? And then you're going to hurt him. You're going to hurt his timetable, hurt his process by saying, oh, you better win in two years or you're going to find your ass out on the street. That doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, John, I, I tend, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Right. I'm just saying. Yeah, you, I wasn't, you know I wasn't, necessarily, yeah, now, I wasn't what, necessarily what number, talking now, to you, Len. I was more what, talking to the, the fan, fan base in what, general. What, well, let me try to answer that question. Yes, please. Why do we? Why do I think there will be a short leash? And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm, I hope I'm wrong on this. Hey, man, all you got to do is massage the numbers. Give me wins and losses. Pick a period of time. How far back you want to go? No, look, 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 Len, <laughs> no, Len, 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 look. I, I agree. I think a big part of the fan base will probably have a short leash. I thought you were yeah. indicating you were going to have a short leash, which is why I was fighting back on you a little bit. No, no, I'm, I give I'm, you more credit I'm, than that, I'm, Len. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm optimistic, and you know, maybe cautiously optimistic, but I'm optimistic. And uh, I listen. He sounded good. Uh, he looked good when he said it. Um, I, he, he made a good impression on me, and, and, and again, I'm, I, I am op- optimistic. Let me, let me speak to progress. Progress starts, progress starts in the division. I know I've done this before. You guys have heard this six, seven, eight, maybe nine years now. Hundred. We got 24 games against the <laughs> NFC East teams in the next four years, likely the length of Joe's contract. We've got four games against the AFC South. Progress will be measured in how well we do in division. What I would really like to know, and maybe he's not ready to answer this question now, but maybe three weeks from now, maybe six weeks from now, what does he think we need to do to be able to compete in the division? Fair question. Thank you, Len. Okay. we got to run. We're running out of time. Okay. Oh, yeah, man. Go for Thank it. Thank you. you. Thank you. I and think we'll that, that's what the head coaching candidate has to answer, too. Correct. And I'll say this. The one thing Joe Shane understands, having witnessed the Patriots dominate a division for 20 years, how significant it was for the Bills the last couple years to overcome the Patriots. Getting so over that hump. He gets it. I mean, Lance, Lance you know this. You know, you're on serious taking calls from fans all over the country. It was a big deal for the Bills to go Huge. out there and win that division the last two Huge. years over New England. 
Absolutely. Well, I think it helped that Tom Brady got out well, of town. No, <laughs> so, of course. Let's not dismiss that. No, but in terms of trying to build some consistency and proving to yourself that you could be in that conversation of competing and winning division titles, yeah, I mean, that was certainly a significant hurdle that they surpassed. But to me, with the Giants, guys, if you're going to utilize Len's point, it's not one team you're competing with. I would say because this has been such a – revolving door this division yeah. you can't just say to yourself well what do we have to do to beat the Cowboys well the Eagles made the playoffs and then who knows what's going to happen with Washington you've got to be able to knock off everybody in your division I don't want to hear that there's one team standing in your way it's the entire group of three it's not yep. like the AFC East because of the AFC East I think most of the concern was New England and still remains New England regardless of Miami's emergence <laughs> no, here fair. and there that's fair in the NFC East it's a three game a three team type of challenge so it's a little bit different in terms of that landscape no I think that's fair and the one thing I will say that all those three NFC East teams have in common they all have some pretty darn good defensive linemen that know how to rush a passer all three of them go down the list you do that you beat that by having a quarterback that gets rid of the ball quick and an offensive one that can block them figure it out everything else feeds off of that no question all right let's go to Scott New Mexico he's up next line three Andrea Scott what's going on Hi, guys. Uh, I watched the press conference, and I found uh, Joe to be a very affable uh, GM, I think, and hopefully he'll put this team in the right direction. But uh, like Lynn, I believe you win with talent on the field, and usually the way you get into the playoffs is a good defense and a good quarter, a great quarterback, uh, a good Scott. quarterback, or but not, but not necessarily. And that's the point I wanted to make. Um, really? How, how, how many teams had bad quarterbacks that made the playoffs this year? I'll tell you, and that's why I wanted to explain my point. I don't think San Francisco's in the playoffs without Debo Samuel. Uh, I don't think uh, without Cooper Cup, Los Angeles is in the same position, even though they have a great defense. And so my question to you guys is, uh, and there's several other examples I could give you as well, I think sometimes a singular player, uh, generally on offense, can make a huge difference in how a team performs. Generally, it's the quarterback, but not necessarily. I'd see, I see. I disagree. Cooper Cup was there when Jared Goff was there. How'd that go? Yeah, well, it went okay, but it didn't go as great as obviously having Matthew Stafford there. Whoa, but they so still you're telling me the quarterback elevates the other people on the team with him? Is that what you're telling me? Really? No, the quarter the quarterbacks always elevate the players on the team. Bingo. Um, I, that, that's that why point. Scott. But that's why it's about the quarterback. Cooper Cup doesn't elevate uh, Cam Akers, right? But the, the quarterback elevates everybody. Scott, I'm going to make right, this but, easy for you. But the you point because... I'm making is the, the Rams don't win if Cooper Cup doesn't make those two catches. See, Joe, Joe what... Shane was asked about this. I want to make this easy sure. for you, Scott, seriously. Because okay. Joe Shane was asked, do you have to have an elite franchise quarterback? Because the question was referring to Daniel Jones. Good one. And all, right. all Joe said was, look, you need the other parts – and it certainly helps if you have a Josh Allen. Oh, With a huge smile like, no, right. what, Sherlock, <laughs> right. of course it right. helps. Right, So, So I, I think here's the thing. I agree with you, Scott. I don't think it's a slam dunk 100% of the time. You have to have a Hall of Fame elite quarterback. That's I don't fine. think it's a slam dunk. I do right. think that was there, the point I was trying to make. There are, there are times when you don't. Look, I, Phil Simms is not in the Hall of Fame. And what did he make? Two or three Pro Bowls. He was not considered right. one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league for most of his career. But look what he did right. for the Giants in 86. 
Well, know? I agree. And uh, and Jeff Hosteller was an, uh, Absolutely an all-star not. quarterback, and he, he won the Super Bowl. Absolutely. 1,000%. One, one the Ravens. 1, I mean, there's, there's tons of examples. So, so it yeah, doesn't uh, have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be, right. but it's much harder. And I'll say this. It's harder to do it with I, I, the nine guys. Scott, one second. But it's even harder. And this is where it gets really, really hard to do it consistently year after consistently year. Consistently is very difficult. Because sure. the, okay. if, you, if you don't have that elite quarterback and then you lose sure. one of your good players on defense and you know, two I good know. players on defense, then I all know. of a sudden it all falls apart. The, the great quarterback, and again, finding those top five quarterbacks in the league is really hard, and you can't just say, I'm going to find one of those guys, I'll be fine, because it's really hard to find that guy. Right. But Correct. that guy can cover up a lot of other issues. When you don't have that mm-hmm. guy – all those other issues become more impactful because the quarterback can't cover it up. And, Scott, I don't want to leave Kerry Collins out of that conversation either because Kerry did a hell of a job getting the Giants to the 2000 Super Bowl. Right. And the quarterback, as I think was it Lance just said, that Trent Dilfer wasn't a great quarterback. No. He beat the Giants. But he had a great defense and he had a run game. So, So, Scott, I'm with you. I I do think that it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think we make that debate. It's either the quarterback or the talent. It's a combination of both. Case in point, Brady's last year in New England, in 2019, they made Uh the playoffs, but they did not have the caliber of playmakers around Brady that he was used to in previous years. And it's no surprise, New England got exited quite early because Brady didn't have the wide receivers no matter what he did. He didn't have the guys that went above the X's and O's. You remember Nikhil Harry was a rookie, and they just weren't making the plays. So Brady then, his impact is limited because he doesn't have the guys that make those explosive plays. So I do think, to your point, Cooper Cup, yes, made some big plays for Matt Stafford. Okay, let's not lose sight of that because the Rams nearly blew that game, and he came up with the big play to put him in field goal range. But the quarterback also can help elevate everyone around him. He could cover up a bad offensive line if he gets rid of the Absolutely, football. Absolutely, I agree. He can make but the he... defense have to respect the running game a little bit more. So that's why the quarterback gives you a little bit more edge in terms of any other player. Now, Lance, I will say this. You, that was 2019, right, that you're talking Correct. about with Brady? 2019 with Brady. The yeah. Patriots still went 12-4. and four, Oh, sure, I know. Yeah. And they well, scored I mean, they 420 the points. <laughs> I no, but with Lance, I, I, yeah. I think you're making a great point. So, yes, the team couldn't go all the way because they didn't have the weapons around Brady. But Brady still got them to twelve and four and scored right. four hundred and twenty points. But Correct. if, but for example, if they had great weapons, but you replace Tom Brady with Mitch Trubisky, guess what? You're not they ain't 12 going right. twelve you and four and scoring four hundred and twenty mm-hmm. points. Absolutely, right. every team is better if they have a franchise quarterback. That's the end of Correct. the story. Right. right. My my last point, I'll, uh, and I'll go. Uh, looking at the giant roster and making and making the point I made a little bit earlier. Are there players who are what I would call impact players that Joe would recognize that he says, we're not trading this guy no matter what, or we're not going to make a deal for that, uh, based on who you see on the roster? And that's my last question. I'll take it off. Thank you, Scott. No, and and I think that's a good larger point, is that you need difference-making Headache players, to quote Paul Dottino. The Excedrin players. Stop using the sponsor name! How many you times opened, do I have to John, tell you John, you opened that door. That's you what I, that I even said headache players and looked at him knowingly like, don't say what are you going to uh, say, and then he said it anyway. You poked the bear. Oh, my they, gosh. They could, they could pay me if they want. No, we're on a Giants program, you fool. Get it through your head. Headache players that are going to, you know, that are going to be make difference-making plays consistently 
And as of now, I'm not sure there's enough of those guys that have proven to be those guys on the roster. I think that's fair. If that, if that was Scott's overall point, I think that's a fair one. You know, and that's part of also what Joe has to figure out with the cap. When you earlier during one of the calls, a guy was talking about possibly Bradbury. Well, is Bradbury one of those corners who does make offensive coordinators a bit nervous? And does he alter their game plans? Well, that would make him a headache player. Now, if he is, and you think he is, and a lot of people do, some people may not, now you have to attach a price tag to him. And that's one of the things that Joe Shane talked about today, John, when he said you have to be able to figure out the appropriate value to what those players are because the cap always comes into play. 201-939-4513. Let's wrap up the show with Bob and Myrtle Beach. Great job on the calls today, guys. Bob, what's going on? Hey, guys, thanks for uh, taking my call here, last caller. Uh, great show today. I'm real excited about the Joe Sheen hire. I think he's uh, going to do a great job. Seems like a great guy as well. I'm um, excited to see who the next head coach is going to be. I'm hoping for Brian Flores or Leslie Frazier, like a guy with a little experience. But uh, we'll see how that all plays out. A uh, real quick question for you guys. Um, I was just curious who you guys would pick, um, being the back for the backup quarterback or someone to bring in here and give Danny Jones a little competition. Um, I know we're obviously in a really tight salary cap situation. There's obviously going to be some guys cut. But, you know, looking at the names, I'm seeing, like, uh, Mitchell Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, um, Geno Smith, um, you know, guys like that. Personally, I'm a big fan of bringing in Marcus Mariota, former Heisman Trophy winner, only 28 years old. Um, I kind of feel like he hasn't been putting on a team with a good O-line and a lot of weapons. Um, I also kind of feel like he's someone that's in the Giants' uh, salary cap range, possibly. I don't know um, about that. He's a realistic option. I don't know. I might be wrong. But, hey, that's what I was calling. I wanted to get your guys' opinion. If you had to, you know, on the spot, pick a name of someone you think might be a realistic option of bringing in as the backup quarterback or give Jones some competition, who it would be. Great. Thank you, Bob. Uh, look, I think of the guys you mentioned, Mariota's probably the best of the group that I would consider. Uh, I mean, Jacoby Brissett has started a bunch of games in this league. I think he gives you a baseline level of play, but doesn't probably have the high-end potential that I think Mariota probably has. You know, Lance mentioned uh, Trubitsky, a guy who's a former starter. Um, I have not like, scoured the names, Paul, on Lance. I don't know if you guys have of potential backup quarterbacks that are going to be free agents. Uh, so I don't have a great answer for there that right now. There will be some guys cut, too, Yeah, there could over be. the next sure. couple of months. I mean, well, for example, you have no idea what's going to happen with Dalton in Chicago. Now, is he a little bit too Did he hot? sign a one-year deal or a multi-year I, deal? I thought them? it was two, but I, I could remember. be wrong, no but idea. here's the bottom line. You know, Nick Foles is another guy, yeah, right? Yeah, you have no yeah. idea what's going to happen with Dalton. You have no idea what's going to happen with Foles. There are probably going to be some new names added to that Heck, available. Uh, yeah, list. I mean, who knows? If the Niners decide to go with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo will become available at some point, too. I mean, there's just no way to know. Yeah, well, know. they probably look to trade him yeah, you would get think. something back. You would think. Yeah, as opposed—no, but you're right. I mean, listen, they could make him a salary cap casualty. It's possible. Andy Dalton, by the way, signed the one-year deal. But remember, to the caller's point, you know, he also tacked on who's within their ballpark <laughs> of the salary cap. It's more difficult. I mean, yeah, I can list a bunch of guys, John, that I think are appealing, but financially, I don't think it's reasonable to think that the Giants can land them. Right. I mean, another guy that comes to mind that I think would be a very suitable backup quarterback who I think you could win games with and be competitive, Tyrod Taylor. 
Okay? That's a good one. Because Davis Mills, right, with the Texans. So Tyrod Taylor to me. But does Tyrod come to you? Does he say, hey, I'll take two and a half to $3 million to be your backup? Yeah, I mean, Tyrod got paid, what, $12, $15 million last year, right? Something like that? I mean, I'll look it up. But, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that was a starting quarterback or at least a competitor. Now, I'll tell you what, though. I've got a better one for you. How about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Who was with the Bills at one point? Uh, Tyrod was one year's okay. five and a half last Tyrod year. Tyrod also. So you want to you want to draw a connection? Ryan Fitzpatrick at this stage of his career, you know, I mean, I can't think he's going to be demanding a lot of money. He's a free agent. You know, you can win games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not a bad backup. Now you're going to argue maybe he can't even push Daniel Jones because you know Ryan Fitzpatrick's on the end of his career. Well, Fitzpatrick's also coming off a serious hip injury. Yes. I want to know health-wise no what he's looking like. But, I mean, these like. are the kinds yeah. of people you're sure. talking about. Yeah. yeah, and Tyrod Taylor, by the way, he he signed a one-year $12.5 million deal with the Chargers two years ago. That's where I And then I think he had $11 million before that, John. Yes. So, you know, you're talking about a guy. Now, yeah, because remember last, just real quickly, all the numbers on these backup quarterbacks that signed one-year deal last year are going to be deflated because the salary cap dropped yeah. and nobody had any money. Yeah. Correct, which means they're probably going to be looking for even more money Correct. if no, the cap no question. goes up. Uh-huh. Yeah, T- so Teddy all Bridgewater's the- another one who's available. Yeah, it's a good D- one. Dalton is available. Uh, you know, but again, there could be some other guys who will enter the pool. Yeah, so I mean, there's going to be options. It's just to me, it's more of a question with the Giants financially: who's willing to come to your organization? and perhaps take a pay cut, and also how do you sell to that individual what exactly you have in mind? Now, for example, the reason I threw out Mitchell Trubisky is he has a relationship with Shane because they brought him into Buffalo, and they said, Mitchell, you're in our plans for one year. We're giving you a one-year deal. You're going to back up Josh Allen. So clearly, Mitchell knew going in, all right, they don't see me necessarily as a long-term guy. Maybe Shane wants to bring him in, offer him the same situation with Daniel Jones, and the money makes sense based on what he took in Buffalo last year. All of these other guys that we're naming, they were either brought in to be the starter. Tyrod Taylor was the starter in Houston. Then, unfortunately, he got hurt. Davis Mills stepped in. Dalton was the starter. They drafted Justin Fields. He remained the starter. Then he got hurt. So those situations were a little bit different. You're going to have to bring in a quarterback that you're going to have to sell to them. They were accepting of the label of a backup quarterback. If they can deal with that, and maybe they say to themselves, well, maybe there's a door to open after 2022, depending on what they decide to do with Daniel Jones. I don't know. Maybe that's appealing for somebody to make a strong statement as the backup quarterback and then open the door to maybe be under consideration moving forward. Guys, good stuff. Sounds good. Absolutely. One One other fun note, by the way, that we actually didn't mention from the press conference today. John Mara in his uh, offset, uh, off-to-the-side interview said, uh, one way he, he immediately knew he liked Joe Shane is when they had to book him on a flight to come down here for his interview at the last second. The only seat they could find was middle row, back of the plane, right next to the bathroom. Did not have one complaint about it. And Joe Shane was asked about that. He laughed. He goes, oh, John Barrett told you that, huh? And he said, <laughs> I, I would have written, written on the wing down here if I wanted. Remember, he's a... He's from Indiana. You know, he's not a guy that, you know, he's he's a regular, everyday, blue-collar, Midwestern dude. So this he, is not a guy coming in here, you know, Mr. Glamour. And just to make it clear, folks, he is from Indiana, but he said he admired Bill Parcells from oh afar, and his favorite player was Mark Bavaro. Uh, and so get, he was always a New York Giants fan. Yes. Just oh, so boy. you know, folks. He went so to you know. bed at night with a teddy bear that had a big blue jersey on it, too. Did, did you leave out that uh, key fact as well, Paul? 
No? He didn't mention that? I, I don't have mini cams in people's homes like you do. I'm well, sorry. I was just curious if you wanted to throw that in. No. Let's, now, the Lance, bottom line. I, I thought this was about his three-year-old daughter did have a Mickey Mouse doll with a giant shirt on today, though. Does that interest you at all? <laughs> yes. Well, that's a nice little tidbit, but I, something tells me, considering she's in the developmental phase, we don't throw out the fact that she grew up a Giants fan. Clearly, she was a Panthers fan, a Dolphins fan, and a Bills fan, depending on how long she's been here well, she's since only, he's had jobs. She's only three. So probably, okay, so therefore, she only the knows Bills about fan. the Buffalo Bills yeah. then. So you know what? It was probably an easy transition to make yes. the switch because the Bills are the same colors yes. as the New York Giants. Yes. So something tells me she yes. didn't put up any complaints because that was an easy transition. And the only thing I'll add to your anecdote, John, is something tells me when you really want a job, the last thing you're going to put up a fuss about is how you get to the place to go for the interview. Yeah, so that is something correct. tells me he was more than happy to accept wherever he was sitting on the plane. Oh. All right, guys. Talk to you tomorrow. Fiegels and I tomorrow at noon, and then we'll wrap up the week on Friday. And then uh, I'm off to the Senior Bowl next week, and uh, the rest of the guys will, of course, be with you during the week. I'll call in with some updates from Mobile. For Paul Dottino on Lance Meadow, I am John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us on another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.